Hello, podcast listener. Thank you for listening to The Rights to Ricky Sanchez. I am Spike Eskin, along with Mike Levin of LibertyBallers.com. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Spike. Um, I would like to apologize to Mike and to our faithful listeners for this being a couple of days late. I was uh, Angelo Cataldi here at WIP called in sick, and the morning show was nice enough to ask me to fill in for a couple of days, um, which goes right into our rights to Ricky Sanchez window of recording. So um, so I wasn't able to do it. Or as Mike would put it, uh, I big-timed him. How'd, how'd it go? I went good. It's a... Uh, it's well, I won't take long talking about it, but it becomes a an entire obviously an entirely different show without Angelo there because the way the show works is that everyone has sort of a specific role with Angelo sort of um, you know orchestrating those roles as a um, you know he's sort of the director of the uh, of the show on on a lot of levels, but without him there, everybody's role sort of changes. So Al's role you know becomes like a lead role. Um, and I sort of move into his a little bit, so it becomes a completely different show. It was fun, you know. It's um, it's weird doing radio when I know when I do my shows on WIP. They're normally you know they're guests, but it's just me. So it's a uh, it's fun and sort of interesting to do it with other people, and I get along with them well. So it's fun. Now getting up at one thirty in the morning that's not fun, um, but the rest of it was fun. So because usually your show doesn't end until like. Two in the morning. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I'm actually waking up before my normal show would end. <laughs> so, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, waking up at, I, I normally, look, I normally get up early. I normally get up around four. And there's one day a week that I get up around 3.45, which I know to most people sounds crazy. But getting up at 1.30 is like, the only time you get up at 1.30 is for a flight. That You know, if you have a 5 a.m. flight or something, that would be one reason. But it's a... Um, it's really strange. And I, I walk to work, and I think it's a really stupid thing to continue to walk to work when you're walking to work at 3 a.m. as far as I walk to work, because that's not a time when people, anybody else that you're seeing out on the street at 3 a.m. that isn't delivering newspapers is probably up to no good. So it's a dangerous time, I think, to walk to work. Yeah, I think, I, I think you know, 1.30, you just stay awake. Yeah, that's, I, that's I, the limit. I, I wouldn't be. Well, if if I just had to do the show until ten, I would consider that. But I have to work my normal job afterwards. I I can leave it like two in the afternoon, but I have a few hours of work after, and it was two days in a row. Um, so I, yeah, yeah. So anyway, glad to be back. Glad to be back right here with you. Obviously, this is a big week in Sixers land as training camp begins on Saturday. Um, on Friday today is Sixers Media Day. Brett Brown met with media a lot yesterday. We'll obviously talk about what he said. I, we, I have a bunch of questions that people wanted us to address on, on Twitter. A couple of, of our first relationship questions as well, which, um, which I'm excited for. Um, you should know also going to be, you'll be able to download as well today. Um, you'll never know when listening to this podcast that it was done in two parts, but I'm uh, I'm interviewing Laura Frazier, who plays little uh, uh, Lydia um, Lydia Rodart Quayle on Breaking Bad as well. So that'll be a separate podcast. So, um, but you're not even going to know that huge, listening to it. Huge Ricky Sanchez. Huge Ricky Sanchez. She requested this specifically. She was like, two days before the Breaking Bad finale, I got to talk about Tony Roten. Um, <laughs> she's she was she's really excited that he's going to get a chance to gun over here. So, um, well, before uh, before we get to the questions, 
And I thought people had some really good questions too. The one thing that stuck out, I don't know how much of you, you read of what Brett Brown said on Thursday. He seems like a pretty genuine guy, by the way. He seems like um, not outrageous or, um, or you know, normally when we say that guys are honest, when we refer to guys as super honest, it's normally guys like Charles Barkley who say things that seem, you know, outrageous and, you know, how could he say that? But Brett Brown seems like a different kind of honest. He doesn't seem like he's BSing or giving sort of stock answers. It seems like he's giving honest answers. None of them are particularly controversial or anything, but he seems like a pretty genuine, um, honest, hardworking guy from everything that I read. Some would say straight shooter. Yeah, straight shooter, certainly. Um, But one thing that he brought up that I thought was, it always drives me crazy. Um, he brought up, and this is something he's brought up several times prior, was the importance of nutrition, health, physical fitness. And he mentioned how important it was for guys to get in shape. And of course, Evan Turner's name came up, um, who is notoriously not in good shape. I even It was funny, prior to last season, the excuse was that he didn't get playing time and they didn't practice all that much, so he got out of shape. Last year, I think he was second on the team in minutes. So, um, but still appeared, at least appeared out of shape to me a lot of the time. But the other thing he brought up is that like Khalif Wyatt needs to get in shape. Like what, can I ask what Khalif Wyatt is? And I like Khalif Wyatt and I don't think he's an NBA player right now, but I like him and like, I liked watching him in college, but can I ask what is Khalif Wyatt doing nowadays aside from getting in shape? How is he not in shape already? He's, uh, did you see his tweet? The the one about being fat or something. I think I remember yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just different different body types. Dude, you know, not not everyone can be uh, you know, naturally fit like you. <laughs> naturally fit. I was when your brother knew me. I was like two hundred and thirty pounds. I wasn't naturally <laughs> fit. I I just I don't know. I guess it just. I, you know, there's a different, and I don't think he was talking about getting in game shape because in that case, he'd be referring to everybody. I think he was right. talking about getting in actual shape. Like, I don't know, man. I just, I think about guys that make it in the NBA and that, like, on their list of things that need to happen. And there are the exceptions. Like, Barkley was an obvious exception, and Shaq was an exception of guys that, you know, didn't stay in great shape and needed to concentrate to get in shape. But by and large, if you're not a superstar, you know, top three, you know, no doubt about it, all the talent in the world guy, getting in shape seems to be like it would be already understood. You know, that that, that would be something that obviously you would have to do, but you would be worrying about the other things. I don't know. I just think it's a bad sign that, you know, he's calling out Khalif White to get in shape. Um, and the, the guy just was an un, is an undrafted free agent on a, uh, on a partially guaranteed deal. Get in shape, he's, buddy. He's, he's, he's getting there. He's getting there. In college, maybe they didn't have this, uh, you know, they didn't have quite the nutrition uh, strictness there, you know? Are you, like, re- are, I can't tell if you're sarcastically defending it or actually defending it. No, I think, I think I'm actually defending it. I don't know. I'm still kind of asleep. Okay. Uh, yeah. You, I, I should note, too, Mike had to get up 10 minutes earlier than usual for the podcast, which is 550 West Coast time, which is an when I called Mike, I heard his alarm going off in the background. <laughs> so this is only minutes from wake up. So you usually ramp up as the pod goes along. I, I don't know. I'm not actually outraged. I just think it's like, I just think it's a bad sign. I can imagine him not being, you know, 
100% there, but to be like visually noticeably not in shape, out of shape, it seems, it, I don't know, it seems, it well, seems like a bad look, thing to me. Look at the Eagles when Chip came in. I mean, people, there are people that just, okay, you play sports and then, you know, take care of yourself and nutrition. I'm not your mom. I'm not going to take care of that for you. You know, I feel like that's that's the attitude of most people. But uh, lately, there's a surge of uh, people that are coaches and, you know, organizations that really care about getting in shape and staying in shape and what you're eating and stuff. And, uh, you know, you get the impression that Andy Reid didn't give a shit. Well, but yeah. Just so I, 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 think, I think nutrition, you know, these guys are professional athletes or have been doing this their entire lives and their whole lives have been this. So you get the impression that some of their coaches are like, you know what? I do enough for them. I'm, I'm on their case enough about things. I'll just leave that to them. You, you just take it. You worry about what you're putting in your body. I'm not going to worry about it because we got to work on, you know, defense. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I agree with you there, but I think there's a difference between getting in like the shape that they're normally in and super elite shape, like like you're talking about. Like like really, I, I enjoy that he concentrates on nutrition. Like yeah. I think oh, yeah. I think I mentioned right. before that in Terrell Owens's book, he says that he was so used to not having money between right. being poor in college that he ate McDonald's his whole first year of the NFL, but. You know, I get the feeling that you wouldn't have been able to look at Terrell Owens and known that he was eating McDonald's because he was exercising so much. I just, I imagine that Khalif Wyatt is visually out of shape, which I think is a is a, a marked difference between that and what you're talking about. But whatever. Well, you, there's other there's other guys that have been out of shape in the NBA. Uh, Andre Miller, notoriously out of shape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boris Diaw. Yeah, you're right. Lamar Odom, even occasionally. If things are working out well for him. Yeah, he's doing great. <laughs> um, he also said uh, another thing about Wyatt, and then we, we don't have to spend all podcast talking about Wyatt, but he referred to him as a point guard. And all this, there, and there has been some discussion of like him being some sort of a combo guard. I don't know. I watch Cleef Wyatt. I don't think he's a, I, I don't see any point guard at all, even a little bit. Um, well, he was a point guard at Temple. He brought the ball up and was a point guard. So I don't think that's I, Jake Borsky had the same sort of reaction of being surprised. I don't think calling him the position he played in college is all that surprising. He might have even slipped up. You know, yeah. he's a he's a guard. He's a he's a he's a backup guard. Yeah. I, I think he can take the ball up. Uh, he's not necessarily a distributor, but I, I I don't think it was a big like insight into what they're thinking. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I guess he's a point guard in the same way that Evan Turner was a point guard in college, you know, not a point guard. I just, I look at his handle and I can't imagine the same way I look at Turner and I'm like, well, he can't, he can't, you know, if he's defended by a point, by an actual point guard, um, like on the perimeter, I can't imagine that working out. But I would assume, um, I would assume that you're right. I didn't, he, I, he also, were, and this, again, another slip up, he also referred to Turner as a generic player. <laughs> I think that's also getting uh, overblown. Also, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it was it was in response to like him not being a specialist, basically. Yeah, yeah, not good at anything. <laughs> but, but maybe maybe generic wasn't the right word choice. <laughs> Jack of all trades, but master of none. Um, yeah, well, and that was all of all that I, I read. That seemed like you know the. 
the most interesting stuff. I mean, he, he's got, you know, people asked him how long until he expects to win, and he very importantly said, you know, you know, we don't, we don't do it that way. That's not really, we don't have a, a timeline on that. And I would imagine that, you know, um, that that's, you know, that that's how they think, and that's how you'd want them to think. You, there's so many variables between where they are now and success, like so many variables that putting a, a, a year on it, you know, by year three or year two is seems like a recipe for for disappointment and disaster anyway. Um, aside from that, I didn't see too much else that I thought was particularly interesting. He did mention Royce White and expects that Royce and says that Royce White will be in training camp with the team, which I thought was, um, I guess, not surprising, but at least moderately interesting. Yeah, I mean, I wrote this yesterday, but you kind of have to just forget about Royce White and hope that, uh, you know, hope he plays, but really just ultimately forget about him. And then when he does play, it's like, oh, this guy, let's see what he's about. He's another guy that needs to get in much better shape. Yeah, he's a hope for the best, expect the worst type of guy. Um, And yeah, anything that you get, honestly, if he plays one game for the Sixers this year, he will have... He will have exceeded whatever expectation I had because I don't expect him to play for the team. So I think yeah. if you think of it that way, if you see him on the court, if you see him on the court this year for the Sixers, that would mean that they got infinitely more out of him than the Rockets did last year, at least yeah. in terms of getting through to him and his motivation. So, um, so yeah, I think that would be a good thing. I thought that was definitely apt what you wrote about about Royce White, and it's a you know especially because there was so much. There's so many guys on this team with, like, if they have upside, it might be limited or imaginary upside. But Royce White is the one guy that I guess people feel like do does have that actual real upside that we talk about, which is why they— and there's been so much written about him prior to this that people are particularly interested in him. And it, it becomes difficult for people not to focus on the other guy that they've heard of that's new, you know, Um but given his past and, and given the, what surrounds him, I think that, that you were right. And the best thing to do is to expect absolutely nothing. That way you can't be disappointed. You can only, you know, you can only be surprised and happy uh, or at least, you know, expectant of what you get as opposed to disappointed. Yeah. It's, you, you really have to, he's a, he's a dollar in your pocket in the wash. You have to forget about it. Um, you want to get to some of these uh, these questions? I think they're they're good questions going into the year. I think ne- next next couple of weeks we'll have um, you know now that training camp will start we'll have actual things to talk about um, over the next couple of weeks. So we'll start doing lineup projections and you know who do we think will make the team and uh, you know we'll, we'll have other stuff in there. But for this week, I thought we had some some good questions here. And speaking of Royce White, I thought this was a a good one going into it. Um, Chris on Twitter asked. Um, on the team now, uh, of the new players they got, who has the highest upside on the team aside from Michael Carter-Williams and New Orleans Noel? Noel, I'm sorry. Um, is there anybody that you think more than the others has a chance to last and actually contribute? Uh, well, <laughs> I guess Thad probably, but he's already kind of there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, at, like of the the guys that they've acquired. I, that's probably what you meant. Um, it's it's probably uh, some somewhere between Tony Roten and Rodney Williams. Yeah, I guess that's. Uh, I, I guess Roten has 
you know, you know, if if they can keep, I, I always feel like this is the worst thing when you say if you can keep him from doing the thing that he does all the time, then he'll be a good player. But if he can, fo- he does have the ability to get to the rim. Um, he doesn't have the ability to shoot, which he likes to do a lot. But if you can, yeah. if you can get him to concentrate on those things, I think he could become effective in what he does. Right. Well, here's the thing: if we're comparing Roten and, Tony and uh, Rodney Williams. Uh, Rodney Williams is, was an undrafted free agent they signed out of Minnesota, uh, who they gave a, I believe they gave a guaranteed deal to. Um, there's been some conflict of whether whether or not that happened, but I think they did. Uh, they're both very athletic, but Rodney Williams, Tony Roden is a better player right now, but he also thinks he's a better player right now. <laughs> so from a from a mindset perspective, uh, yeah. you want the guy uh, in the NBA who didn't dominate in college because that means that he's more likely to accept the role as a role player. Right. Uh, Tony Roden, you know, growing up was always the guy, so he sort of got a little bit of Evan Turner in him in that, like, uh, even though he's a much worse player than Evan Turner was coming in. Uh, he still sort of likens himself to being the best player on the team and coming in and doing what he does and, and, the, and the team basically adapting to his style. Whereas Rodney Williams probably knows that he's just crazy athletic and can't do much else because uh, he was kind of a role player on Minnesota also. Um, if he can develop a jump shot even a little bit, then... Uh, then he's a he's a weapon. If he can, I mean, he's, he's there's a lot of holes in Rodriguez's game, but his athleticism and role are both so strong. I mean, he can he can become a guy like a Gerald Green or a Rodney Carney, like guys that you know can come in for 15 minutes a game, hopefully hit a couple shots, uh, and just be more athletic than everybody else. Uh, so is that a lot of upside? I don't know, because those guys never really hit their upside else either. But uh, you know, you you cannot teach athleticism, uh, and when it comes to guys that you want to be role players, you want the one that have been role players. Yeah, and w- one of the um, I think one of the most interesting things, and you know, somebody else asked, "Hold on, let me grab this question." Was uh, from. Uh, another a different qu- a question uh, from a different Chris rather on Twitter, and uh, everything was besides New Orleans Noel and Michael Carter Williams. He said, "Give me one thing to watch for this year." And to me, I think one of the most interesting things Brett Brown said was that, and this is what it, it legitimately is. Aside from Michael Ca- Michael Carter Williams, all of those backcourt minutes are up for grabs. I mean, any I, I genuinely believe that and that the guys who show the most will be able to get those minutes, especially with Richardson probably not playing this year. So um, that's a lot of minutes to distribute uh, amongst a lot of guys. And I do like that it's a competition. And I do honestly believe that given the staff they've put together, the development guys, and given the number of guys there, that um, that it does create this sort of competitive atmosphere that will bring out, if there is a best to bring out in these guys, I think this situation will bring out that best, where, where there actually is a chance to get minutes. Yeah, so, so, somebody's going to get good. They, they, there's too much opportunity and too many lottery tickets for one of them not to be better than we think. 
Right. So someone is going to be, hey, this guy turned out to be okay. I, I think, I don't know it's going to be. Maybe it's James Anderson. That'd be cool. Uh, maybe it's a guy they, they drafted to the D-League. Maybe it's Sean Williams. That'd be awesome. He's he's currently getting high. But uh, <laughs> he's a very talented player. Um, uh, yeah, and lot, gonna I think it will be interesting to to see too. Is that whichever guy does get good, um, it will be something that they'll have to you'll have to keep in perspective because there will be somebody who has better stats than they are a player, you know, because you know even well, that's Evan. That's going to be Evan. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's that's it. Oh my God! But you know what that's going to do? do you, can I tell you the worst thing that's going to do? It's going to make the Evan turn because the Evan Turner fan club. The worst thing about the Evan Turner fan club is, that, or any fan club of any sort of player that is controversial or polarizing, like Turner is, is that they only focus on. I guess this is anybody in any argument, but they only focus on the numbers that sort of support their argument. Yeah. So when Evan Turner is scoring seventeen point three points a game with four assists and five rebounds, and everybody's like, "Look, look, 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 look." Um, while ignoring that he's turning the ball over three times a game and uh, shooting forty one percent, you know, like that'll that'll be that like that'll be the annoying part of this season yeah. is explaining to people that no, Evan Turner was not as good as you were saying. This is they just they're really bad. You know, he is a good player on bad team right now. Yeah, I mean he's he's going to be Ricky Davis this year. That's what he'll be. Um, yeah. You, you, well, and hopefully the, the reference is Ricky Davis is always. What, what for a while was the best player on terrible Cavs teams. The, the when he got when he got like the, when he tried to do the self triple double. Do you remember that? Yep. Great, great days, better days even. Well, hope, uh, hopefully, what that does is it fools a different team into wanting. That, that, given, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, you know, there are there's a handful of teams that still don't believe in analytics. Maybe you know, maybe the Sixers trade Evan to the Phillies. That could be a possibility. Maybe they trade him to TNT or ESPN with Doug Collins because I think yeah, Doug Collins. ESPN. <laughs> ESPN can give us a couple hundred bucks. Um, but and that, that's that's the hope. The hope is that he starts off strong, and you know you're gonna have to hear people whining about how can you trade him? He's our best player, and it's like, well, we're one and eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know it, it, he's gonna. I mean, I think seventeen. Points is like a super generous. No, oh. I think that I think it's pretty accurate. Maybe oh, wow. maybe even higher. Um, He's just right. gonna have so many opportunities. Let's put this. I'll call you back in fifteen minutes. Okay. All right. See you. All right, here we go. Well, uh, at this point of the podcast, Mike and I have taken a short break. I just talked to uh, Lydia Rodart Quail. Um, bro, I made her laugh. Nice. Yeah, she called me a nutcase at the end of the interview, so I felt like that was a. Um, that was a, a win for me. So how old is she? She's exactly. She was born fourteen days before I was. So so you are you're engaged, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's nothing that's going to happen between me and Lydia Rodart Quayle. Wow. Well, I yeah. It is what Lydia it is. Lydia Rodart Askin. Let me just say, let me Lydia Rodart Rodart Quayle. Quayle. Lydia Rodart Quayle Askin. Um, uh. Let me just say that. Um, that she, at the end of the at the end of the call, she did say that she would have Todd and I over for dinner to her house. So wow. me and a fictional character that she may or may not have a relationship with in a television show. So who may or may not be a Nazi? So there you go, win win for well, me. It, I'd say definitely may be a Nazi. It's yes. Definitely. Well, he's not for sure a Nazi. I think, but but, but he's 
associated with me or not. Yes. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely. Um, we uh, can talk about Nazis for hours. <laughs> um, but next question. I'm mostly awake now, so we can talk about relationship advice. Well, hold on. Let me two more six or things, and then relationship All advice. All right, fine. I know. I know. Um, first thing. Uh, best case and worst case scenario for both Michael Carter Williams and Nerlens Noel this year. Let's go Michael Carter Williams first. Um, best oh, case is scenario. It, is it this year or is it a career? No, let's say this year. Like, let's say best case out of, and let's say, let's not say the best case for Nerlens Noel. Let's take out he doesn't play at all. Like, let's say, sure. you know, just for example's sake, like, let's um, say that the, we're throwing out the worst case being that there's knee complications and we're throwing right. out that, you know, okay. So, so that aside, Michael Carter Williams, give me a best and worst from you for Michael Carter Williams. Worst case is probably, you know, Sean Livingston. I know Sean's career kind of got cut short by the injury, but, uh, that's sort of the only comp for tall point guard that can't really shoot. Um, but I think the best case is he gets the mask a lot. Uh, he shows off some sort of jump shot. I don't think he's going to be a, a sharpshooter, you know, off the bat. Um, I think he gets the basketball. He he shows how good he is on defense and how he can get in the passing lanes and start the start the fast break. Um, and he he can he can you know run an offense. I think that is the idea because I mean as bad as the Sixers are going to be this year, they are better than Syracuse. And when MCW was running the offense there, it was basically do everything because Baye Musakeda isn't going to be uh, getting open for you. Um, so hopefully he'll have more options to pass to and, and, and he'll be able to run the offense. Uh, best case, statistically, I think probably like 14 points seven assists, four rebounds on 44% shooting. I'd be very happy with that. Yeah, and uh, especially when the worst case could be 36, you know? Like, yeah, I, I yeah. think that's a and, a... and again, just if he doesn't... Remember, be, the only success is not best... Uh, not remember to you, but remember just in general. Best case scenario isn't the only scenario in which it's a successful year for him, you know? Right. Like, you know, an 11.5 assist you know, three rebound year could also be successful. And because and, there's a lot depending on the other guys, you know, if another guy in the rotation ends up being able to play 15 minutes a game at the point and, you know, yeah. Michael Carter Williams doesn't have to, which I think is, um, again, I know everybody wants him to play the most minutes possible, but I, I don't always think that that's the best thing, especially if they're not any good. You know, I think he could play 33 minutes a game and that would be, be great. 33 uh, is great. Um, uh, I think he has to get to the basket and get to the foul line. That the, I think that might be the most important thing is is what his free throw rate is. Not his free throw percentage, his free throw rate, how how often he gets to the line when he's there. And uh, I think that would set the tone. Michael Carter Williams getting to the basket would set the tone for what this team will be in in the coming years. If he's your guy, if he's your future point guard, um, I think he is. Uh, I think I think they're expecting him to be, but. Uh, He's really got to get to the line, get to the basket. Uh, I don't think anyone was expecting quite a James Harden level, but that's the that's the goal. I mean, the goal is get to the line as much as possible, get the free points. And uh, if he can have, if NCW can get to the line six times a game, which is a lot, 
six times a game, shoot like over 43, 42, 43%, and shoot maybe 34% from beyond. I'd be thrilled. I don't care about turnovers. He can turn the ball over 18 times a game. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And going to be working it out. One thing uh, that a lot of people, um, because a lot of people pointed to Drew Holiday's turnovers, which, you know, were, you know, troublesome on some levels, but we like when you look at the top five guys in the league in turnovers, they're always great players, you know, like they're, they're they're never, they're guys that have the ball in their hands. And then when you're on a bad team um, and there's, you know, sometimes you get credit for a, you get nailed with a turnover that isn't really your turnover. Exactly, yeah. Um, and sometimes you, you turn the ball over because, like, you look at the guys you could pass to, and you're like, well, maybe I'll try to do something that it's, I shouldn't yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I th- I agree with you. I, I would take 40% shooting, honestly, if he shot 34 35% from three. Um, yeah. Um, I do think... I'm, I'm saying best case. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do think the most important thing for me to him, and the, the best, which the best case scenario includes, is that... Whatever offensive struggles he has, like I just want his um, demeanor and defensive pressure and concentration to stay top level. And I think I think that is the most important thing for Brett Brown. It's the most important thing for the team in general. But for Michael Carter Williams, most particularly because he w- with Noel not being there the first half of the year, and even when Noel gets there, um, if he gets there, but let's say he does. Because Michael Carter Williams will have the ball in his hands so much, he will be the focus of whatever failures that they have. Whatever, what I I can guarantee you, the first twenty games, if they're two and eighteen or three and seventeen or whatever, that the focus of the negative attention will be on Michael Carter Williams because he won't be shooting well. He'll be turning the ball over. Every bad stat you'll be able to point at and say that it's his fault. I think if he can make it through that and still do the things that he can likely do well from the jump, and that is, you know, um, that is defending. Defend. You know, I I, I think yeah. that's the win, you know, for me. That is the best-case scenario, that his head stays in it. Um, you know, I, won- I wonder if, if the bulk of the blame will go to MCW or Evan Turner. I think that a lot of that will uh, be determined by what the roles are on the team. Yeah. Um, I, I but- do think there's a large portion of the... Um, the, the Sixers populace that has given up on Evan Turner. So I, you yeah. know, I, you know, it'll. I think you'll hear more "just get him out of there" type of stuff. But um, maybe that'll even be good for Michael Carter Williams if Evan Turner can take some of that heat. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Um, Evan is certainly used to it. Nerlens. Uh, let's say he comes back in January. I think January is the earliest he could come back. So let's say January. Um, and uh, I think he starts right away. I don't think there's much of a point in not letting him start. Uh, and he blocks shots. He basically does what he did at Kentucky. He, he blocks shots. Uh, he goes up for alley-oops. And he occasionally does something crazy athletic because uh, he can't handle the ball a little bit. Um, maybe he flashes a little bit of a jump shot, like a 12-footer. Um, that'd be pretty nice. Uh but well, really, what you want to see is him altering shots on the defensive end. Uh, I think I think Larry Sanders is what you can expect. What you can expect best case from Noel this year. What about worst? Uh, worst case, he's gonna he's gonna do it no matter what. If I mean, if the knee's not healthy, is that's the biggest issue. Um, more if he looks clueless on the offensive end, because uh, I, I am expecting something 
at least down the road from him on offense. Um, and I guess maybe if, if he's not as fast as he looked in college, uh, if the pro game, if the pro game really slows him down, um, and he can't get, he can't get the shots quick enough. And I think I, I'm really not worried about him defensively. I think he's just so talented on that side of the ball, uh, at altering shots that, um, no matter the only thing that can stop him is if his knee's not back to a place where you can trust it. Um, but offensively, I, I think uh, I think you can expect you can expect Larry Sanders this year, and that's pretty great because Larry Sanders got a max contract this year, and I I wouldn't have given Larry Sanders a max contract because I don't think he can be the best player on a, on a great team, um, and that's sort of how I judge max contracts, but. Uh, I think right now, Nerlens Noel is not too far behind Larry Sanders, who's already was he twenty four, twenty five? Yeah, I mean he was pretty he, he was pretty great this year. Um, yeah, in his but own, not, but he's not good on offense. He's not, right. he, is, he doesn't really give you much on offense. And Noel is more athletic, he's faster, and he ha- and he has the potential to have a more polished offense game. We have um, Sixers signing news as we talk. Um, I had to Google him because I've never heard of him. Um, Give me it. I don't know. The Sixers have signed. His name sounds like a former Eagle. Come on. Hollis Thompson. Um, Hollis Thompson of Georgetown. Yes. uh, 6'8 shooting guard. Yeah. Who who joined the Thunder as an undrafted free agent last year. Played in summer league for the Spurs um, this year. Um, He can can shoot, apparently. Yeah. Um, He's a shooter. Wow! There it is. So I'm excited. We well, like, we, there's think, a there's a chance you're starting. He may be your starting shooting guard. <laughs> <laughs> you you may have just broken the starting shooting guard news to me this year. Wow! There it is. Breaking news Alex on the podcast. Thompson. Well, see That's now, great. you know what's good is that it's possible that without our 10 minute break for that interview, that once again the Sixers would have signed somebody immediately after our podcast instead of during our podcast. So. They probably thought that's what they were doing too. They were like, <laughs> okay, they're doing it on Friday. We'll keep waiting. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. And just right after that, we'll it'll be fine. They won't be able to talk about it. They're they're refreshing but their RTRS you, hashtag on their their tweet deck to see if it's done yet or not. Thanks to your boy, your girl. Laura Flynn Quayle, yeah, <laughs> formerly of the practice. <laughs> Laura Flynn we, Quayle, <laughs> we we got this news in. That's big. He, he played Georgetown with uh, Henry Sims and Austin Austin Freeman and Chris Wright. Uh, not he's twenty one. Is he twenty one? Um, I don't know. Uh, he is. Hold on. Um, he is twenty two. Twenty two. Uh, that's I mean that's great. That's a great signing. Uh, he might do nothing, but who cares? He's a guy that can shoot on a team that has no one that can shoot. Uh, he's a bigger guy. Uh, if if he put on some muscle, he's not terribly unathletic. Jeez, he shot forty four percent, forty five percent, forty three percent from three. Um, in his three. Well, welcome to the team, buddy. Yeah. Well, uh, the most important part of this is that this means that Spencer Hawes may not lead the team in three point shooting. No, um, he will. Hollis isn't going to start. I hope he does, but he's not going to. He's probably not going to make the team. But uh, this also means that he is now the most famous Hollis the Jollis in Philadelphia. Hollis the Jollis. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, before we get to our two relationship questions, I wanted to get to a question from last week. Um, I've already thought about it. You don't need to chime in because I didn't warn you about it. I don't know that you've done any um, particular, uh, you know, um, preparation. But Paul, I never prepared for anything. Paul Weasel um, emailed last week and asked. He is a full season ticket holder and asked for some of the games that he should make sure that he goes to this year um, at home for the other team, obviously. Um, and, you know, I wanted to do this aside from the obvious ones. So I, I wasn't counting, like, um, you know, uh, Oklahoma City, Miami. You know, he can decide whether he wants to sell those tickets or not. Um, the other games, like, just glancing at the schedule, I think the Golden State game is a on November 4th is a definite. Um, Dude, Golden State just signed Joe Alexander to a camp invite. Oh, really? You don't care about that. I care so much about that. It's unbelievable. Well, and, of course, um, you have the return of Iguodala. Um, you have Steph Curry. Like, that That obviously becomes a, a super hot ticket. I think oh, awesome. Cleveland November 8th is an obvious one um, because, A, um, they might be fun to watch, but, B, there is obviously the possibility that Mr. Uh, Andrew Bynum at least is on the bench for them and uh, <laughs> an opportunity to boo, which I, I don't support, but, you know, whatever. Um uh, New Orleans on November 29th, obviously the return of Drew Holiday and probably a pretty fun team to watch. Whether they're good or not, I don't know, but I do think that, that is a, um, that that's a fun game. I think Portland December 13th or December 14th is a good one as well. I think they'll be another fun to watch team. Um, I would sell your Brooklyn Nets tickets unless because there is the possibility that neither Kevin Garnett, Garnett nor Paul Pierce is even going to be playing. They're going to be resting so many games um, that okay. I think I would sell that soon um, because you don't want to find out the day before and then not be able to get rid of the tickets. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would find your your Phoenix Suns, your Orlando Magic, and your Charlotte Bobcats in the last like twenty games. If, there, if there's any home Sixers home games. That's going to be Tank City. Yeah. So watching those games will be a delight. I do think that, um, obviously, Minnesota's been a league pass team or a proposed league pass team for years, um, but nobody's healthy. So, you know, if, 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 the guy, if they're there, you know, if Rubio and Love are there, that's, that's a, a game to see. And then the, oh. fi- the final one I, want, I wanted to mention, at least, was, um, wait, I had it a minute ago. Um Shoot, I may have lost it. Um, the, oh, uh, oh Dallas. Dallas. I, I'm a Monte Ellis guy. I love watching Monte oh, Ellis. Oh, God. Yeah. Avoid the Dallas game at all. At no! All. Ugh. What an awfully constructed basketball team. <laughs> I why, would you, why would you want to watch the Mavericks play? I, because I think, I think Monte Ellis is one of those guys that is worth the price of admission. I do. I like. I would watch him. I would. I. I would. No matter what team he's on, um, I would go watch him play. I'm sorry. He's he's the fastest guy I think I've ever seen on a basketball. No. Field. Yes. I. I've never I, seen. Iverson. Well. Okay. Fine. Iverson. But um, it currently, let's put it Jared that way. Jared Bayless is faster. I don't think so. Jared Bayless. He's. But Ellis is faster with the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not talking about a 50 yard sprint. You know, he's, he's fast. He's got he's got a very impressive power dribble. Monte Ellis does for a little guy. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. He, 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 scoot, he scoots. He definitely scoots. Relationship advice. You ready? 
Do we have any questions from Monte Ellis? No. I, I think if I were to give him any advice, it would be stop sending pictures of your dick to people. I think that would be the first thing that I would mention. I, and that really is our relationship advice in a nutshell uh, to everyone. <laughs> Please stop sending and pictures gonna, of your and dick. And if you're going to do it, Snapchat it. And yeah. if you're going to Snapchat it, Snapchat it as a video so they can't make it, take a screenshot. There you go. Because they're confused. Or Guys, I easy asked, stuff. I asked my dad this once. Do you think... When Greg for, Oden, for a dick, you asked your dad for a dick pic one. Well, I, we were t- we were on, we were hosting the Artie Show once, and we were talking about Greg Oden uh, sending okay. a picture of his dick. Do you think huge dick, by the way? Yeah. Do you think you need to like an iPad at least to see the fir- yeah. like? <laughs> yeah, you gotta get you gotta get the fish eye lens. I think. Yeah, you definitely need like a tablet for that. You can't do that on a normal smartphone. At the very least, a Galaxy like the Note, the Samsung Note. Um, That's how they should market it. Do you have a huge <laughs> dick and you want to take pictures of it? You probably need a phone that's big to get it in there. Um, James asks, uh, so I feel like I feel like I am the best to answer the first question, and you are the best to answer the second question. So James asks on Twitter, what is the minimum amount of interest I have to contribute to wedding planning without getting murdered? Um, yeah, it's not me. Yeah. So I'm in that. Look, here's the here's my best piece of advice for wedding planning, or my best, I guess, paragraph of advice. The first thing that you have to realize, and, and I know that you know this inherently, but, but you have to think about it, is that while the wedding may be important to you, your fiance has spent her entire life thinking about this wedding. So Probably. Probably. You know, like, like they, th- they start thinking about weddings when they're five. So no matter what your opinion is, she has put way more thought into her opinion than your opinion. That said, um, the you can't just say whatever you want is fine with me. The correct thing to do, as far as I'm concerned, is to try to figure out which answer she wants you to give. Think about it. Give a reason why you may consider the other one, but why you would ultimately consider the one that she wants. So much like you treat a boss and, you know, sort of make the boss, you know, make things think are his decision, you have to sort of act like you're giving it your opinion, but have it be similar to her opinion. The other thing that I have found that is one of my best lines, I think, ever that I've ever come up with is my fiance said to me once when it appeared as if I was not giving full um you know, uh, full thought to a decision. She was like, aren't you excited for the wedding? And I said to her, I'm more excited about being married to you. Whoa. And then I dropped the mic and I left the room. <laughs> and you punched her in the face and walked out. <laughs> yeah. I dropped the mic. Does she listen to the podcast? No. Well, I don't think she does. If she does, then obviously, honey, I would never punch you. Um, and obviously, I do care about the wedding. But, um, but you know, that was my... That was my thought. Um, so for you, um, a former uh, Liberty Ballers writer, current managing editor of a Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon, uh. Lee, Brandon Lee Gowton um, says, Dear Liberty Ballers, how do I make blogging all day sound like an attractive quality to a woman? Oh, that's right up my alley. Yeah. Um. Maybe calling it weblogging isn't the best idea, which is what blogging is. Yeah. Um, 
I'd say, I'd say lead with, uh, you know, how many writers you have working under you and how it's a collaborative effort and, and sort of maybe self-deprecate a little bit. Um, and they can be like, no, that's really cool. You get to, you know, do that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of attractive, I can see how it could be come off as pleasing, but making it attractive, you really have to handle it deftly in, uh, in turning it into something like, you got to say you're a writer, right? I mean, yeah, you, I, I think, I think if you're talking to a friend, you could be like, yeah, well, I, you know, I've, and I have practiced doing this. I've, I've brought up Liberty Ballers in important meetings, which is just very surreal and bizarre. Um, but if you're trying to attract a lady, I think making blogging uh, seem attractive. You don't mention blogging. You say blogging never sounds good to anybody. Something else. Uh, you know, maybe maybe she has a blogging that comes up, and you can make. Oh, by the way, I have. You know, I Brandon. I run the. Uh, you know, one of the biggest Eagles blogs on the website. We have six thousand comments every twelve seconds when a field goal gets missed. Um, Bleeding Green Nation is a mess of comments. Just so many people. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would just that would overwhelm me. Um, but I mean, you just you don't you don't mind. you're self-employed. Uh, maybe you write. You, you write. You can sort of skirt away from that. Obviously, as as things get a little more uh, serious, you'll have to tell her what you do for a living. <laughs> uh, Although, you know, try to avoid that as long as possible. Keep up the mystery. Uh, I work for a television show that uh, people still don't know what one of the characters does for a living. You can make it like a running joke. Yeah. That's, uh, that seemed to work for nine seasons for a successful TV show. Or, I mean, uh, call it a hobby. Say you write as a hobby. and Because like, most bloggers have other jobs, right? I mean, like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's quite a, a lucky blogger that gets to do it for their 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 life you know for their livelihood so um i think writing as a you know creative writing as a hobby makes you sound sort of introspective and smart right yeah yeah there's there there aren't that many uh lifer bloggers i happen to live with one uh but no it's a it's a and for me people have asked people ask me all the time i don't know if they've asked you but i guess it is your I'm doing air quotes, career. <laughs> yeah. uh, people are like, why don't you just do that? Why don't you just write sports for a living? And uh, I would shoot myself in the face if, I, if this was my whole life job. <laughs> no offense, Mike. But I, would, I, I think having sports as a, uh, I just realized it came out of you as I was saying it, sorry. Uh, but if I had to do sports and only sports uh, for my career and like every day, um, that it's just so, it's too much. It's too much for me. That's all right. Working on a hacky sitcom would probably make me eat a bullet too. So there you go. <laughs> with that, <laughs> with that, um, this has uh, been the rights to Ricky Sanchez. Please rate us on iTunes. Um, at least, a, at least a two and a half. At least a two and a half. Um, thanks for waking up early, Mike. Love you. Hey, you know what? I'd do anything for a Laura Flynn Boyle. Uh, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> I said, won't you hit, son, don't you?